0: hello everyone and welcome back we're back in the book of second chronicles we are finishing up our study of second chronicles today it's it's kind of hard to hard to believe that we are um, finishing up this this great book we've looked at 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles we've been looking at the history of the nation Israel in 1st and 2nd Kings it was from man's perspective and now in 1st and 2nd Chronicles it's been the history of Israel from God's perspective and we see the things that are really important to God so as we as we close it out we'll be starting in chapter 34 and finishing up through Um, chapter 36. So, verse 1 in chapter 34, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So, every king notice that we see, you know, when they became king and whether or not they were doing right in the eyes of the Lord, how important that is to God. You know, if you have a if you have a um, sort of a summary of your life, it's all about whether you're doing right in the eyes of the Lord. And what a humbling perspective that is, that that our lives can be judged up in just one sentence like that. Verse 2, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places that Asherim, that would be his father, I believe, uh, and, uh, oh, excuse me, the high places of Asherim and the carved uh, and metal images, that would have been... um, that would have been what his his father Ammon had done. So he was he had a more of a heart for God than his father did. So he gets rid of these high places of worship, the ashram, and the carved and metal images. Now we drop down to verse eight. Now, in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house, um, he sent. Uh, Shaphan, the son of Azaliah and uh, Messiah, the governor of the city, and and Joah, the son of Jehoahaz, uh, the recorder, uh, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, and gave him the money. "...that had been brought into the house of God, which the Levites, the keepers of the threshold, had collected from Manasseh and Ephraim, and from all the remnant of Israel, and from all of Judah and Benjamin, and from the inhabitants of Jerusalem." Verse 14, "...while they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord." given through Moses. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan, the secretary, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan brought the book to the king and further reported to the king all that was committed to your servants that they are doing. And they've emptied out the money that was found in the house of the Lord and had given it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. And then Shaphan The secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read from it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah, Achaem the son of Shepham, Abam son of Micah, I'm butchering these names, sorry people, sorry everyone, Shaphan the secretary and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go and inquire. Of the Lord for me, for those who are left in Israel and Judah, concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. In other words, they found the book of the law of the Lord, God's book. They found it. And they were concerned about what was doing right, and what was doing right is is doing what the book says. So, how can you do what's right in the eyes of the Lord if you don't even have His words with you? And so, what a convicting thing that is, you know, like, how many of us are just using our Bibles, you know, for like doorstops, you know, how many of us even know where our Bibles are? Do we read? Do we have our Bibles on our shift? Are we just <coughs> reading our Bibles once once a, a week when we go to church on Sunday, um, or do we read it every day? Are we reading the Bible to try to understand God's word, God's purpose? Are we trying to understand what God wants us to do? So, yeah, it's it's really important and this is such a convicting thing for us. Is to, you know, If you lose your Bible, if you lose the Word of God, that's the direction for your life. And if you don't have that Bible, if you're not looking in that Bible, if we're not, if I'm not, if we're not looking in that Bible every day, then we just don't have direction. And that's what Josiah was seeing. He was... You know, he was overcome when he heard these words. Um, so, um, in any event, um, verse 22, then So Helkiah and those whom the king had sent, they went to Huldah, the um, prophetess, the wife of Shalem, the son of Toketh, son of Hashrath, keeper of the wardrobe now she lived in jerusalem so this was a prophetess okay so we've got a young king and now he's seeking help from a prophetess and so there's another woman in the bible that's showing god works through anyone the old the young male the female anybody who has faith in God, God can use. And she said to them, "'Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, "'Tell the man who sent you to me, "'Thus says the Lord, "'Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place "'and upon its inhabitants, "'all the curses that are written in the book "'that was read before the king of Judah, "'because they have forsaken me "'and have made offerings to other gods, "'that they might provoke me to anger "'with all the works of your hands.' Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and will not be quenched. And then we drop down to verse 27. I mean, she's she's laying it out that God's wrath is coming down. Verse 27, Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard His word against this place and its inhabitants, that you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me. I've also heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place and its inhabitants. And they brought back the word of the king. So the king's heart, God saw the king's heart And he says, I'm going to have mercy on you because of the humbleness of your heart. God looks to us today for humble hearts too, doesn't he? Verse 29 Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites and all the people, both great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And then he made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin join in it. This is true worship. When you're committing to follow God's Word with all your heart and all your soul and everyone around you, that's committing to worship, isn't it? So now we'll drop down to Verse seventeen And all the people of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time, and the feast of the unleavened bread, seven days. No Passover like it had been kept in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet. None of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as was kept by Josiah, and the priests, and the Levites, and all of Judah and Israel who were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. What an amazing revival that little young King Josiah was bringing into the land. But, McGee says, all these kings were human. They made mistakes, and Josiah made his mistake, too. He went out into battle, in a battle he shouldn't have gone into. Verse uh, 20 After all this, Josiah had prepared the temple. Nico the king of Egypt, went up to fight at uh, Karkermesh on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to meet him. And it's perhaps that Josiah goes out to meet him on his own accord. He's not doing it because God's instructing him to do it. But in any event, Josiah probably thinks he might have been better than he was. Or maybe he didn't call. We don't see that he calls on God's name. How many of us make our plans in our life without calling on God for direction? It's kind of hard to blame Josiah here because we do the same thing. Verse 23, And the archers shot King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am badly wounded. So his servants took him out of the chariot and carried him in his second chariot and brought him to Jerusalem, and he died and was buried in the tombs of his fathers. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah, and all the singing men and singing women have spoken of Josiah in their laments to this day. So that's Josiah. Now we come to verse uh, chapter 36. The people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's place in Jerusalem. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Then the king of Egypt deposed him in Jerusalem. And then you get Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then you come down to verse 9, Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned 3 months and 10 days in Jerusalem, and he did was was evil in the sight of the Lord. And in the spring of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the previous vessels of the house of the Lord and made his brother Zedekiah king over Judah and Jerusalem. So Zedekiah was like a puppet king. And so um, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years. And then we get verse 15. The God of their fathers sent persistently to to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people until there was no remedy. Verse 17, Therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of the sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or or aged, he gave them all into his hand. So all these people, their hearts were corrupted by now. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasuries of the house of the Lord, and the treasuries of the king and the princes, and all these he brought to Babylon. And they burned the house of God, And broke down the walls of Jerusalem And burnt all its palaces with fire And destroyed all its precious vessels And he took into exile in Babylon Those who had escaped from the sword And they became servants to him And to his sons Until they had established the kingdom of Persia To fulfill the word of the Lord By the mouth of Jeremiah Until the land had enjoyed its Sabbath And all the days that it lay desolate. It kept Sabbath to fulfill seventy years. So seventy years they're in Babylon. So they could have well, I believe they were in Babylon until the, all of the Sabbaths were um will fulfill because they didn't keep the Sabbath. So they had to they had to be in exile until all these Sabbaths were built up, so um, so they had seventy years to fulfill. So that's what God did. All these people and all these kings were their hearts were cold now to God, and so then we get from God's perspective, the Babylonians come in and now they they take Jerusalem. They burned the house of God, they broke the walls of Jerusalem, burned all the palaces, and destroyed the precious vessels and basically we don't get a big we don't get a big uh long long drawn out thing it's just they killed all these people and they took them to Babylon. you know it's a pretty matter of a fact they don't there's not a lot of information, but from God's perspective was about their hearts. Their hearts didn't follow him. So, verse 22, "...now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it into writing." Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Whoever is among you, all his people, may the Lord, his God, be with him. Let him go. Let him go up. That's an invitation to a restored people now to restore a temple. And so now, this is a temple that is going to be built. Um, The temple is going to be rebuilt. And so God is working through King Cyrus now to, um, to fulfill his prophecy. And just a bit of clarification on the exile. According in my Bible notes, the Mosaic law said that every seven years, the land needed a rest. So the land required its Sabbath. So the land was supposed to have a Sabbath period every seven years, which the Israelites did not observe for 490 years. So God sent the nation in the exile to Babylon, to Persia, For 490 years, and when you say, um, I mean 70 years, so that would be the 490 years that they didn't observe the Sabbath. And every seven years, they're supposed to have a Sabbath. So that's 490 years divided by seven. That means there's 70 years of Sabbaths that didn't get observed. And so, as McGee says, God will not be mocked. So God sends the nation out into Babylon for 70 years so that the land can have its 70 years of rest. So the land is getting rest, and then um, real rest, I think the one of the notes was made, that real rest restores real worship. So, you can't worship in this land until the land has rest. And so, um, so when we worship, we rest in worship. And we don't need to um, try to worship on our own accord. We don't need fancy music, fancy temples, or anything else. When we're worshiping, we're resting in God. When we're praying, we're resting in God. And... Maybe we uh, need to understand a little bit more what real rest is. But the land has to rest, too. And we see you cannot have real worship without real rest. So, we're officially finished now with the book of 2 Chronicles. I believe we're going to be starting back in the uh, New Testament. Uh, 1 Corinthians is... as I'm told. And I'm really, really excited to go through this next study with all of you. So now we'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Batali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your take on this study today. And as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you next time tomorrow as we continue our study. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean.
1: Hello, so today we come to the end of our study in the books of 1st and 2nd Chronicles and our study today is coming from 2nd Chronicles chapter 34 beginning at verse 1 all the way through to chapter 36 verses 1 through to verse 23 So we begin here with the reign of Josiah and we see the last revival that took place in the Southern Kingdom. You know, and you know, we have the last revival that took place before the Southern Kingdom went into captivity. And it's the end of the line and it's after the end of the reign of Manasseh and Ammon. So two men that actually plunged the nation into idolatry and sin. You know, towards the end of the reign of, uh, towards the end of, you know, um, the southern kingdom before it went into captivity. So there was Hezekiah who actually led a great revival. And he's, um, after David, he was one of the best kings. And then there was Manasseh and Ammon. And who just literally plunged the nation into idolatry. And one would actually think that there is no hope here, but there is always hope with God in matters of revival. You know, the Holy Spirit is sovereign even if it actually seems that there is no hope. So all things are actually possible with God. There's nothing that's impossible with God. So scripture reads, verse 1, of chapter 34 second chronicles <clears throat> josiah was 8 years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in jerusalem verse 2 and he did what was right in the sight of the lord and walked in the ways of his father david he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left so here, miraculously, God used um, Josiah. So here, you know, they're talking about like he needed to turn to what was right. Like it's read, um, he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left hand. Um, so here, basically, what is right and what is wrong, one may ask. So what is right is what god actually says is right i mean um so he did that which was right in the sight of god and god actually when god says you know this is right then it's right because he's sovereign he's god he's the creator so um after all god did divide the light from the darkness and God is the one that's who says what is right and what is wrong, because it's the creator. Unless man can divide light and darkness, then, you know, they can begin to determine what is right and what is wrong, but God created this universe, and he determines what is right and what is wrong. Verse 3 goes on to read, For in the eighth, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his Father David, and in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. So Josiah was sixteen years old in the eighth year of his reign, so he was around sixteen when he began to actually seek the Lord. So when this man was sixteen years old, he began to see God to seek God actually. So revival actually leads to reformation, as we have actually seen. So if, one, if one's converted, one walks away from their sin. So you see a reformation in one's life. Let me drop down to verse 8. And verse 8 reads, in the, eight, in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, Maseah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joah, uh, jo- Joah has the recorder to repair the house of the Lord, his God. So here, um, he's like 26 years old in his 18th. Year, So he's 26 years old, and the house of the Lord actually fell into um disrepair under Manasseh and Ammon. You know, they didn't repair, they were not taking care of the house of the Lord. Verse 9 goes on to read, When they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, which the Levites, who kept the doors, had gathered from the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim and um which they had gathered from the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim from all the remnant of Israel from all Judah and Benjamin and which they had brought back to Jerusalem. So you know this here, where they were gathering the money from, this is the tribes. Um, so some of the tribes that are called the lost tribes that have been taken into captivity you know, are not lost here. The money They're contributing money towards the temple because here they are actually sending money. So the temple had been repaired at this particular point. Verse 14, dropping down to verse 14, verse 14 reads, Now when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord... Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. So, they were actually not many copies of the book of the law of Moses. You know, the king had a copy, the priest had a copy, and a few other people around had a copy. So, the word of God had been lost, and, you know, at this particular time. Verse 15 goes into read, Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord, and Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. So Shaphan carried the book to the king, bringing the king word, saying, all that was committed to your servants, they are doing. Verse 17, and they have gathered the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan, the scribe, told the king, saying, Uh, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. Verse 19, thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. Verse 20, then the king commanded Hilkiah um, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the scribe, and as, azaya, 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 however it's pronounced, a servant of the king, saying, verse 21, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord, and do according to all that is written in this book. So here we see a return to the word of God. Um, and a return to the word of God actually brings revival, nothing else. So we haven't seen revival today. You know, people may say, oh, hey, we're seeing like a movement towards, you know, um, returning to God. But we haven't seen a revival today. That's because the church has neglected God's word. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of um, methods and tricks that are being adopted today. But these things, they won't cut it. Revival comes when the spirit of God in a sovereign way, moves in when people return to God's word and find out what God has to actually say. So revival, you can do all these cheap tricks and all. You know, you go out and be nice and kind to people and dish out um, you know, donations and goodies and monies and build schools and hospitals and do all these tricks and all. But as long as you have not returned to the word of God and you're not reading what God is saying, that will not bring about revival. So these people were returning to the word of God because they found the book of the law of Moses. And um, they were reading it and they were returning to the word of God. Dropping um, dropping down to verse 22. And I read from verse 22 to verse 25, it reads, So Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to, Hul, to Huldah, Hulda, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, Shalom, the son of Tokhath, the son of Ha-Ra, sorry, the son of Hasra, keeper of the wardrobe, she dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter. And they spoke to her to that effect. Then she answered them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel tell the man who sent you to me. Verse 24, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants for the curses that were written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah. Verse 25, Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and they that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. So God is actually saying, he actually intends to judge these people because he gave them ample time to turn to him and they were not turning to him. And, you know, they drove the, the Lord, sorry, to wrath and to anger. Verse 27 goes on to read, Because your heart was tender and you, you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants and you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. So they brought back the word to the king. Then the king sent and gathered the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Of Jerusalem and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the priests and the Levites and all the people great and small he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which uh, had been found in the house of the Lord verse 31 then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes and all his heart and all his soul to perform the word of the covenant. And that there were, the, sorry, that were written in this book. So, here, um, see we saw the prophecy that the Lord was actually um, going to cause havoc and calamity to these people and the land. Because he didn't turn uh, to the Lord. Because, you know, that God's cup of wrath is now overflowing. So we can only have revival today, like we've said earlier, um, when um, we return to the Word of God and find out what God actually wants us to do. And there must be a total commitment to of, of God's people to God. Not today, you're hot, tomorrow you're cold. You know, Sundays you want to hang out with... Um, Christians, and then the rest of the week, you want to run to the world. It doesn't work like that. There has to be a total commitment um, of God's people to God, not, you know, this half-hearted service that there is, Um, and, you know, there has to be full and total commitment, so, you know, they, they now celebrated these people here, you know, after Josiah, you know, went and um publicly declared that, you know, they were gonna fully commit to God. So they celebrated the Passover and they found out you know, they found out about it when they read that the book that they had um found. The the, the uh yeah the book that Moses had written. Um so they must be obedience to God. So the Passover actually speaks of the death of Christ. So there must be a redemption made for our sins. And Christ actually must be exalted because he died. He's our Redeemer. He died for our sins. So now we get to chapter 35. And in chapter 35, we have the death of Josiah. And I'm um, just going to drop down to verse 17 and 18. And it reads... And the children of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time and the feast of unleavened bread for seven days. Verse 18. Then there had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet, and none of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as Josiah kept with the priests and the Levites, all Judah and Israel, who were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So, they were, keeping, they were celebrating the Passover and keeping the Passover. And, um, and now we see, you know, there's always like a little kink or problem with man. It's, 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 it's you know, our innate um, personality, our innate being. We always fall short of the glory of God. So verse 20 of chapter 35 goes on to read. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, came up to fight against um, Kar Shemesh by the Euphrates. And Josiah went out against him. Verse 21. But he sent messages to him saying... What have I to do with you, king of Judah? I have not come against you this day, but against the house with which I have war. For God commanded me to make haste, refrain from meddling with God who is with me. At least he destroy you. Verse 22. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguise himself so that he might fight with him and did not heed the words of Nico from the mouth of God. So he came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. So here we have this man. God spoken. Do not go and meddle. And he decided to just go and meddle. Josiah had no business getting uh, involved in this particular fight. It wasn't his fight. And God didn't bless it. God didn't allow it. Verse 23 goes on to read. And the archers shot King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am severely wounded. Verse 24. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot. And he had... And put him in the second chariot that he had. And they brought him to Jerusalem. So he died and was buried with one of and was buried in one of the tombs of his fathers and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for him mourned for Josiah verse 25 Jeremiah also lamented for Josiah and to this day all the uh, singing men and the singing women speak of Josiah in their lamentations they made it a custom in Israel and indeed they are written in the Lamentations. So this is the end of the revival here in, 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 in Judah. Uh, a good king died. Um, Josiah was one of the good kings. So now we get to the last chapter of the book of Second Chronicles. That's chapter 36. And verse 1 goes on to read, Then the people of the land took Jehoaz the son of Josiah and made him king in his father's place in Jerusalem. Jehoaz was 23 years old when he became king and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. So here Jehoaz, he was actually um, a rascal and they actually put him out. And, you know, the king of Babylon, you know, now has come against um, the land. You know, from the time of Hezekiah, Hezekiah was given 15 more years. Um, his life ex- was extended by 15 more years. That's when he had, you know, the um, delegates from Babylon. And he showed them around and showed them the wealth. So now they remembered there is a, a land here with, um, with um, valuables. And they went and attacked it. So verse 5, uh, Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem and he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. So now we have Jehoiakim, he came on the throne and he reigned for 11 years. Uh, dropping down to verse 9, uh, Jehoiakim was 8 years when he became king and he reigned in jerusalem three months and ten days and he did evil in the sight of the lord so Jehoiakim came and reigned for three months he didn't last very long then dropping down to verse 11 verse 11 reads zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in jerusalem so zedekiah zedekiah's uncle came to the throne And he reigned 11 years. He's the last king. And now Nebuchadnezzar uh, has entered Jerusalem. And he actually burns Jerusalem. And um, he takes them into captivity. Uh, Verse 15 goes on to read. And the Lord... God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Verse 17, therefore he brought Against them, the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on young on young men or virgin on the on the aged or on the weak, he gave them all into his hands, and all the articles from the house of of God. And small treasures of the house of the Lord and treasures of the king and his leaders, all these he took to Babylon. Then they burned the house of the God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its places with fire, and destroyed all the precious possessions. And those who escaped from the sword. He carried away to Babylon, where he they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia. Verse twenty-one to fulfill the word word of the Lord by the month, by the mouth. Sorry of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her sabbaths, as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill seventy years. So here we have God you know God's explanation so God accomplished the twofold purpose you know God's God always has many things in mind in all that he does first uh firstly they had rejected the prophets and were living on borrowed time and God would actually have been justified to send them um, into captivity a hundred years before this he would have been justified because these people had broken the covenant so we are actually living in unborn time right now cause you know look around and um, if you just look around us you know the, the turmoil that is around us and the immorality the levels of just immorality just staggering and, you know, and the time came for the nation Israel and there was no remedy because God has given them ample time, but there was no more remedy. And there is a time when a nation actually reaches that particular point and there's no remedy, there's no going back, everything just plunges. So for 490 years, they had not observed the sabbatic years. That is, the land wasn't um laying fallow. So God said... They couldn't just um, plant it and they thought they were actually getting by with it. And now God put them out and of the land for 70 years so the land could enjoy its rest. So God's not mocked today. You know, people might think they get by with a lot of things, but God's not mocked. You know, don't be deceived. Whatever a man soweth, soweth so shall he reap it. Okay, so this is our last study in the book of Second Chronicles. It's been a great journey, you know, looking at God's bo- point of view, not man's point of view, God's point of view for all the kings that have uh, reigned in the southern kingdom. and We also saw, you know, the effects of the northern kingdom as well. And looking at God's point of view, God's sovereign And um, God always. And God's just, and God always keeps His word and His purpose known. So. And God is a God of many chances. His long suffering, and He will give ample time, until, you know, that mercy cup overflows and um, calamity strikes. And you know, people have you know the audacity to complain that God's not fair. How can he? How can a God? you know, allow this to happen. But God continuously gives ample time to people. You know, God is is holy and is sovereign and um, he's long-suffering and he does not want... He gives chances and chances because he does not want to have anyone suffer in the end. Look at Manasseh. He was given, you know, ample time that God had to actually to intervene for Manasseh to actually turn back to God. Yeah, so thank you all for listening in. God bless you and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.